Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome to the Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. And Matt Rocky wants to be part of the show, so he's hanging out in the studio. He's boxing me out. Yeah, I noticed that. You guys are going to talk about the situation in Milwaukee for the next hour. I was hoping to. That was what we have on the book. That's what's that's what's on the itinerary for today's balloon party. No, Matt's leaving, he said. He doesn't want any part of this show. Uh, but you can have a part of this show by texting in the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. And by participating in the YouTube chat, always active. And uh, they're already in there this morning, Jackson, waiting for the Little Piddles. <sighs> and a half. Wide Birth Wednesday. Wide Birth Wednesday. Yeah, Eric Nickens is in there along with Droid Effects, Cat Dad Garner, Bishin' About Sports, uh, Tiny Pee-Pee, and uh, uh, J.A. Apple. Is it J. Apple? Hmm, J.A. Apple. Sounds yeah. like a, like, a, like an author. Yeah, so that's, that's who's in there talking it over as we get underway here on Balloon Party and the Wednesday... Uh, Wide Birth Wednesday, Tim. Yeah. All right, let's get it going. Yeah, I mean, I know the lead. The the note. Wow, oh, look at that. Four three win in Alberta. Look at them go. You think Drew Bannister has now, the job? I, I notice that you're looking at me. So then that that tells me that this wasn't the lead because otherwise you'd be reading the question. That's my. I'm just telling you what my reads are here. Usually your reads are spot on. And this would be another example. Oh, okay, good. So what was the real lead before I just assumed, based on mere logic, because maybe I'm missing an obvious lead. Don't tell me it was Missouri-Texas A&M. You probably don't even include that. No. Yeah. Unfortunately. I think you're making the right call there. But what was the lead? I'm curious. Well, you know, lead is such like an ambiguous term. Like, no, it's real specific. It's the first story. It's, it's, it's defined. Uh, that's, that's your interpretation of it. But I kind of see it as like a... Uh, a floating object, you know, like yeah, right. you can go grab it if you want, but the lead is whatever you make it, Tim. And we're going to lead off with these, this blue note club. As oh, they went up read to, your question. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, so Drew Bannister, you think he has the Boy, chops? Not happy. You think he has the chops to, to lead this team to greatness in the coming years? My goodness. Was there a blues question? There wasn't. Oh, my. Did you know that you knew they played? Cause you just yeah. did TMA and I talked about it. And yeah. we had Jeremy Rutherford on. I know. I know they played. But you just... Well, here's the thing about how I operate when in terms of writing these questions. Yesterday, we talked a lot about the fan survey. It was very good stuff. There was mm-hmm. a lot to break down there. I think mm-hmm. we spent almost two segments on it. Mm-hmm. So there was so much meat on that bone. And while I'm very happy that the Blues got the win last night against a good team... Love how much did you get a chance to... Uh, not a single second, but um, it, was, you know, it was a late start, um, despite Missouri also being on at eight. Uh, 
and I watched that in, in its entirety. But, I didn't want your opinion on the game at all, but I did want your opinion on the Flame sweaters, and so it's disappointing uh, to me in so many ways, and I know the audience is currently furious, that I would love to get your opinion on what Calgary wore last night. Wore specifically last night or their uniforms in general? Specifically last night. Well, is there any, do you have a, a still image from the game last night? Uh, here, I can go on. Uh, I'm going to go into the Air Comfort Service text inbox. No, 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 I'll all have that. All hell's about to break loose, No, I think. no, no, I don't I think, think we so. might shut it down. I don't think so. I can see the uniforms. I love them. You love what they wore last night? I love them. Is that a harse? Is that a harse on the front of the sweater? I'm trying to get like... And a, they're all black? I'm trying to get like a better look at them right now because all I saw was from... So the, you don't like what they usually wear? No, For I do. For the record, they usually wear... I love the big C. Red with the C. I feel like I got to include that information. No, I like those a lot. I really do. I like... I, so I, I did not like the sweaters last okay. night. We're usually on the same page on uniforms. Yeah, so I like... I, I still lo- think there's a chance you haven't seen them and no, you just... I'm looking at them uh, right here. Yeah. Um, Is that a horse? It looks to be some sort of uh, bovine animal, uh, maybe equestrian. I'm not positive. But I like that they're using like the gradient of an actual flame, you know, yellow, orange, red. I think that's a really cool idea. You like the gradient flame is what I heard. Yeah, yeah. And I like how they do it on the wrist and on the, uh, is that a sock there at the bottom near the ankle? I don't, hockey pants confuse me because they're shorts, but we call them pants. I have to dress my boy every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Right. And you would, I mean... And, and I'm told around the age between 8 and 10 is when they start to get it on their own. I'm looking forward to that. But then I might have another one coming up, and I'll be doing the dressing again. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. That's uh, a great point. It's just a really kind of an observation. I had nothing it, else. Yeah, I know. I had nothing else. I, I've i never once... I You could give me hockey pads right now and say, get dressed, and I would have no idea what, what to do. What if you were to be offered $1,000, which I know isn't a lot for you, but for the average person it is, to, to dress yourself with all the hockey equipment laying there? Do you think you could do it? I think you could. I'd probably get close. There's a, there's a chronology to it that I The had order to learn. is what would really mess me up. Right. Because I would put something on and then realize by putting that on, I can no longer put on the other I'd be thing. curious like how it works for guys who actually played in the league. Like if Jamie Rivers was to come busting through that door, uh, what would he... No, I know that's not happening, but if he were to, what he would say you put on first. So I know we got hockey players who listen to the program and text me. Like sure. I go with... Uh, the the knee slash shin pads that's what i and that's you know i'm just following what to go on youtube for dad putting hockey <laughs> equipment on four-year-old that's what i typed into youtube but like once you start playing at like real games at a real level is there a different deal either way i didn't like the calgary sweaters we can we can tend to you dressing up as a hockey player another time and maybe you come in and endear yourself to the blues fans who you have upset this morning with not including the blues and the little piddles what is this again? A wide berth Wednesday. Right. Did they wear shoulder pads? Uh, there were pads, yeah, upper body okay. pads. Okay. You strap them around the chest Do they and look strap like, around the shoulders. Got it. Do they look like football pads at all? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, now I have a decent idea. Okay, good. Because they have like the big, broad shoulders. I didn't know I didn't know what the situation was. Yeah, they're not like Andy Katzenmuller's <laughs> when he laid out Corby Jones, but yeah, they're like shoulder pads. Okay. Sure. All right. I think I could do it. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'm just going to improv here, and I hope this just shows everybody how talented I am since there wasn't really a question. Well, I didn't I think, think it just caught down to, what do you think of Drew Bannister? I feel like that's what it was. Well, well kind of where I was going with what I started off with is like there was a lot of meat on that fan survey stuff. Right. And as much as I'm happy that the Blues won in Alberta, like, I don't know how much of, like, a big macro question I can ask based on Okay, that. I understand that, and I respect that. Tough spot. Because it you, is a lead. 
It is the lead, uh, and it's a great win. That looked like it was getting away from him in the second period. Not particularly impressive uh, in the first couple of periods. And then probably the key to the game actually took place on a Calgary power play. Once again, the Blues with a shorthanded goal. Now 11 on the season. Braden Shen on the breakaway and makes it 3-2 to two to cut that lead going into the third period. And uh, how often do you see it, whether it be a team killing off a five-on-three or a team getting a shorthanded goal and what that means for momentum? In this case, the Blues carried it over and had a ridiculously strong start to the third period that they were able to carry through. Uh, the four-check sets up Kairou's goal to tie it. And then, and this is kind of important, it gets into the minutia of wild-card standings when there's still damn near 40 games left, 37 games left. But... It was big that the Blues won that thing in regulation because Calgary didn't pick up a point. You know, I'm seeing the Blues exit their zone. Sod coming through the neutral zone. I'm going, okay, well, maybe they can get a chance here. Not thinking anything of uh, the the chance of him scoring. And then sure enough, uh, dings off the post and uh, in. And you go, holy crap. This thing goes from what looks like Calgary's going to have a three-point lead on the Blues to the Blues passing Calgary in the wild card standings by beating them in regulation and the Flames not getting uh, a point themselves. Considering that they were looking at Vancouver, top team in the Pacific, back-to-back nights, three games and four nights with the trip to Seattle on Friday. You know, I, I, who knows what the season's going to be, but if you want to have a sweat when April rolls around as far as the playoffs go, this was a big game. And considering how rough it looked, not necessarily against Boston that started the three-game skid, they did pick up a point there. There was crap officiating uh, in overtime, but against the Flyers and then against the Capitals on Thursday, it looked like it might be the death spiral. And then you have what may have been their most complete game um, across the board, every aspect on Saturday night against the Caps. And then a rough first couple of periods, you're going, okay, well, that was a flicker, and it's just going to go away, and they're probably going to lose to Vancouver, and they're just going to be so far out. You get back-to-back wins, you get it in that fashion. I'm really intrigued to see what they do tonight. Uh, You're playing against a great team, you're playing back-to-back, you had to travel um, and how will they respond tonight? They're going to have momentum, uh, but uh, you're going to be playing against a great team, and you're doing it on back-to-back nights on the road. So the, I mean, you get this one, then you go, okay, well, holy crap, no matter what, you got four points on the road trip. You're playing with house money Friday night in Seattle before you come home and play against the team that's leading the West Wild Card right now in the LA Kings. Maybe you get a little momentum here because the schedule lets up. So that that could be, you know, I don't know what there is. We've seen them play really well against some good teams. They beat the Canucks uh, nearly three weeks ago in St. Louis. I don't know, Jackson. That was a great one. That was f- that was a fun one to watch. Great response in the third period. So I got a little fire under my ass. I got a little jump in my step. I like that. I like when you got a little fire under your ass. I'd be curious to ask Jamie Rivers or any other former hockey player. Are what, you guys talking? Uh, we're currently in talks, but there are moments where, yeah, we pass each other in the hallway and grimace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the case currently. But just like what the vibe is in the locker room or like what goes through players' mind on a back-to-back on the road, just like how much of a grind that is for leaving one city, taking a long trip, especially when it's cold outside, your body's probably aching like crazy. Like I'd be curious where players are at mentally before the second half of a back-to-back. I would imagine most of those guys are talking about the, the Bucks head coaching situation. Yeah, Adrian Griffin, see ya. Been nice knowing you for these three months. We know we're second in the East, but peace out. Yeah, 
I would imagine that's what Drew Bannister was talking about in the second intermission that got the boys going, huh? Yeah, well, basketball's popular. <laughs> it's ten fourteen in St. Louis. That's Jackson Burkett. That time check's brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Uh, come on in. The water is warm in the YouTube chat. Uh, Friends of the Feather have gathered, and they're talking it over, including Mr. Smith and Don Peepee, who's also known as Tiny PP. And uh, you can also text into the program. It's the Air Comfort Service text line uh, 314-399-9646. Jackson and I will leave this program and then do our third program, Hour 5 of Broadcasting for us. Uh, it's the Tim McKernan Show podcast. It's a podcast uh, that uh, welcomes any topic. Any topic will do. All you got to do is email tmckernan at insidestl.com. Any question. It can be sports. It can be anything. I don't care. And I and I welcome your hate mail. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. And that's on YouTube.com slash T-M-A-S-T-L. It's live. And then the Tim McKernan Show podcast feed, which you can download and subscribe to and enjoy at your leisure. Jackson and I have done it every business day of 2024. It used to be weekly. Now we're doing it daily. All right, Jackson, we'll close out this first segment. Come back with our second segment and more of Wide Berth Wednesday here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you on the program, which is driven by Monganass St. Louis Acura and Monganass Burkhardt Alton Toyota. We welcome you to participate in the show by texting in the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. And by watching on YouTube, the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. The camera is sponsored by the Air Alliance team. Jackson, it's a wide berth Wednesday. Uh, I really am anxious for question two, even though I think this might really be question one. Either way. Thank you. Yeah. You know, we're not results-oriented. Katie Wu, a wonderful contributor to the 101 ESPN, in addition to her fine work with The Athletic, posted an article about Ali Marmol's status with the ball club and the importance of the upcoming season. A question that Katie asked that I thought was interesting is, if Ali Marmol and the Cardinals have a similar spring slash early season to last year, do you think he will be relieved of his duties? If that is the case and the Cardinals have a lackluster start, do you put that blame on Marmol? Or Mosaic in the front office. Um, how about this? Neither. Mm-hmm. I would say ownership mm. because ownership is the one who, when it's all said and done, is in control. This is not a passive ownership. Uh, and as I've said, and I said, I believe yesterday or two days ago, and it was met with resistance. Um that Bill DeWitt will be considered one of the two greatest owners in St. Louis sports history whenever the chairman, Bill DeWitt Jr., steps down, whenever that time comes. Um, I'm not a rights holder. Don't care. Cardinals may like me, may not like me. Doesn't matter. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that that is the truth. But that is how a, a business works, in particular this business, where they are active. Um, I recall the night, this was in Jupiter, Florida, when the Cardinals signed a significant deal with a significant player, but just for the purpose of not uh, going into detail on who it was, but the agent said, got to tell you, we saw this person out. The owner nearly blew this up. I mean, he was more active in the negotiations than the general manager. And at the time, Jockety was the general manager. Um, so he's active. And here's the thing. I don't, I'm, I'm so at peace with what the Cardinals are doing in 2024. So I'm going to have a weird spot this year hosting 
you know, TMA and balloon party because I get what they're doing. And I think what they're doing is the right thing from a business standpoint this year. But I also know that most fans couldn't care any less about the business of a billionaire. So they want to see him win. But if you have uncertainty for a, a, a revenue pool that is a third of your payroll, it would be irresponsible to the long-term stability of your business to go bat crap, especially for a team that probably isn't really that close to a World Series anyway. Um, you know, the Cardinals over-under win total is 85, mm-hmm. 85 and a half, depending on where you're looking. And these shift, of course, by signings and trades. But uh, it's it's Ali Marmol, I guess the manager just gets blamed. Right. So what, did he know what he was doing 18 months ago and then he forgot last year he just had a crap rotation so who's that on well then i would put that one more on the front office so then you go okay what the front office do this year well the front office i think was told i mean i don't know this but hey we can't be in a spot where we're competing for the guys who are going to get five plus years can't do it can't do it with where we are with this television situation so we needed innings get guys who can fill up innings and then Sonny Gray's older, and there we, get, we can get him for three years. You have Wilson Contreras and Nolan Arnato under contract after 2026, and that is it. And that, to me, is the Teddy KGB Oreo and Rounders tell of what the Cardinals' mindset is from an ownership standpoint. So you might not like John Mazalak, you might not like Ali Marmol, but for what the Cardinals will be in 2024, I don't view it as their fault. I view it as the status of the uncertainty of the organization's financials. And I realize 99, if not 100% of the fans, couldn't care any less about that. But I think that's a real reason for why they are where they are this year. The thing that sucks from a fan standpoint is I personally would rather see the Cardinals kind of pull the plug and go full on 2006, 2007 blues. Uh, and just go, okay, we're just going to build youth. We're not going to win a World Series with what we have unless, you know, one of the one-outers that happened in 2006 happens. And trade Goldschmidt, Arnato, Contreras, uh, Michaelis, never signed Sonny Gray. And, you know, let these guys get their seasoning. And then in a couple of years, when they do have the stability, of the television deal, whether it be their own network or Major League Baseball figures it out, that they can go back to work and try to build a team that really can be sustained championship caliber baseball around here, which we had from 2000 through 2006, and then again from 2009 through 2015. So it can be done. I just don't think that this is the group that's going to do it. So that's where I am. It's very fair. I got two questions for you. I am taking your questions since it is a wide berth Wednesday. First... Do you think if the TV situation was different, like they knew they had it for the next 10 years, whatever a standard media deal is, do you think last trade deadline they would have, it would have been much more likely that they would have pulled the plug and that yes. continued that to the offseason? Yes, I do. And my reasoning is right now you have two main sources of revenue for baseball teams. And one of them is television and one of them is attendance. And if you have uncertainty with one of them beyond this year, you can't risk the other one. Now, I'm of the opinion, and of course, we really don't know Mm -hmm. because we haven't seen it in St. Louis in 30 plus years, but I'm of the opinion that there would be a healthy portion of Cardinal fans who would be intrigued by watching a bunch of young players compete, knowing that this is a monster 
turn for the Bill DeWitt owned Cardinals because they've never done this. You know, back to like the early 90s when Ray Lankford and Brian Jordan and Bernard Gilkey and Todd Zeal were, okay, this is the future of the Cardinals. Uh, and there was this youth movement. In part, though, because the uns- the lack of stability with the ownership group after Gussie Bush died and the brewery's lack of interest in the team at that time, that played a role in it. Then that all changed with the DeWitt group and Jockety and Larusa coming in. Um, so with that said, I think they would have said, OK, we can do a youth movement and we can risk the attendance because we know we have the television dollars. And I think that would have made more sense from a baseball standpoint. As weird as it would sound, I think they'd be closer to winning a World Series doing that they when they would be doing this mm. um but the thing is i give the cardinals let me put it this way and i think people would agree with this i'm curious what you say in, in the youtube chat and in the air comfort service text line i give the cardinals a better chance of winning the world series than i do of them having the best record in the national league yeah yep. you instant so you see where i'm coming from right so you can't st- i mean that's the thing it's like the Pirates could show up and there were all this Chapman $10 million contract and, you know, somehow fumble F their way through a best of three and then a best of five. And just, so it's, it's, a, it's a whatever. But as far as, you know, do I see the Cardinals winning 95 plus games with this team? I'd be shocked. 85? I think 85 to 87, that would be the sweet spot of a, of a bell curve of outcomes. But again, a lot of that has to do with the uncertainty that is currently the National League Central. If the Reds start to get some pitching, the Reds would be the sneaker play, yeah. I think, as, yeah. as the rosters currently stand. I mean, you still have free agents out there that haven't signed. So you yeah. know, even though we're a handful of weeks away from spring training, uh, free agency carries on. And you had a second question. I'm taking your second question yeah. as well. And the two things before I even get to that second question, I have something on free agents for the next segment. Wow. And also the Brewers, I think this morning just signed Reese Hoskins. Yeah, they, uh, I think it was either last night or this, this morning. Yeah. yeah, signing Reese Hoskins. So the Brewers are making something happen. My second question, it was part of the Katie Wu article. If we reach Memorial Day and the Cardinals are flopping around, pitching looks bad, less than 500, you think Marmol gets the short haircut? I mean, what are we talking? Like a ten game under five hundred situation? Yeah, it's I mean, just like know. similar to last year, like a like a similar start to last year. I could see it, and the reasoning being again, they need people to come to the ballpark. Right, that's where I was, and so that would be it. Yeah, it shows. I don't know that what they're... I don't know what else you can do at that point in the season. You right. can do something different in two months from that point, but not at that point in the season. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a move to continue to get attendance like showing that you're at least somewhat interested in in making improvements i just really and maybe he's maybe he's good with it and maybe he sees things that i don't see which is certainly possible considering he's going to be in cooperstown but i'd really be curious like if 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 i had a rapport with nolan arenado and we were off the record and just sitting around bsing and go how do you feel about the fact that you you chose not to opt out and since then, you've been rewarded with Wilson Contreras and Sonny Gray, and then just, you know, kind of pieces. Are you regretting not opting out? Because I'm telling you, when he didn't opt out, I'm like, oh man, the Cardinals are going to go balls to the wall. Here we go. And I mean, are people dazzled by these last two off seasons? It'd be tough to be. Right. It'd be tough to be. So that's, that's, that's. That's that that intrigues me, and I know. I mean, listen, he's he's not gonna 
go on and do an interview and rip the organization. That's not his thing. But uh, he certainly did get frustrated in Colorado. And as he said, he said, this team can absolutely, and I said, thank man. You, I don't view it as the Cardinals. They have no chance of winning the Central. But if you put them in the National League East, I would be stunned if they won the division. Yeah, totally. And NL West, AL West, AL, AL East. East. If, it's, right. if you're not in the Central, you right. know. That's the, that's the way that it is. Your thoughts are welcome. Uh, 314-399-9646. It's 1030 in St. Louis. We'll break somewhat on time. I don't know what's going on here today. Feeling right. Just feeling good. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, just throwing free and easy. It's a uh, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Your thoughts are welcome. Do you think the Cardinals have a better chance of winning the World Series than having the best record in the National League? What's your answer to that? 314-399-9646. We're talking over in the YouTube chat. This is Balloon Party. I want to win ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan Jackson Burkett with you on the program. We welcome you to participate, of course, by texting in 314-399-9646 or by talking it over in the YouTube chat. Jackson, what other questions do you have on this wide berth Wednesday? So I kind of alluded to it in the last segment, but I'm going to ask about some free agency stuff with Major League Baseball. Is it strange to you that guys we were talking about in November are still, are still available? I'm talking, of course, about Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Yes. And as we quickly approach pitchers and catchers reporting, does it surprise you these guys haven't been signed? Yes. Do you think there is a chance that this delay could result in a lower price tag for either of those guys? And could that possibly interest the Cardinals? Oh, well, right there... Right there, you lit the little fire. Because otherwise, I'm just like, yes. What's our next question? Right. One's an observation, one's a question. Uh, I would say, if I had to bet, I would say no. Right. Um, I suppose the way that it could happen is if the offers were so below what they thought they were going to get or should get or could get, that maybe one would go, okay, I'm going to do a one-year deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Then the Cardinals would be interested. Yeah, that would strike me as a possibility. Right. But as far as signing a long-term deal with either one, I don't see it happening. Even if the market is now going to be lower for them. Yeah, it's, it's so odd to me that like we're really close to these guys going. I mean, Blake Snell is, is top-tier pitcher, someone we talked about a lot in November, just not signed with. I, it might just be because people are worried about his the length, how long he can go. Well, I mean, Jordan Montgomery, but I, I mean, you know, in 2019. I believe when we were at spring training, Bryce Harper still hadn't signed. It's something, I mean, it was a bunch of guys still hadn't signed. And we were doing TMA from the famed picnic table where we did the show for like 15 years. And Adam Wainwright sat down and we had a conversation and he went off. And then, then the audio was played nationally. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Adam himself said it, that he was called into the offices after doing the interview uh, because he flat out called out ownership of all the teams and saying, you don't think there's going to be work stoppage? There's going to be a work stoppage over this. We know what's going on. You know, this is BS. I'm paraphrasing. But he went off mm-hmm. because they're going, we know what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, it's collusion. 
So I'm not saying that that's the case with this, but yeah, it's January 24th and these guys aren't signed. Um, that's it, it is surprising, but I don't think that that means the Cardinals will be in for long-term deals. If somehow there's a one year out there, then yeah, I could see that happening. And that leads me perfectly into my next question. Mm, mm, mm. We talk often about the poor money allocation with the Cardinals as opposed to the mainstream narrative the Cardinals do not spend money. However, something that I feel is an important discussion in this Cardinals talking Jackson, poor writing on my part, poor writing. I, I writ that question poorly. You writ it. Written. Yeah, I'm just. I'm not. I'm. I'm losing. Is it, it the Doc Rivers news that has you? I don't know. I don't know. I. Either way. I hope you're watching on YouTube so you can watch this. Jackson's really, really struggling right now. Okay. However, something that I feel is an important discussion with the Cardinals is their seemingly inability to develop talent, mainly in the pitching department. I feel like that is a big reason they are signing older pitchers to short-term deals because they're not confident in their younger pitching arms if this problem persists do you think it's a major issue for the future of the franchise well jackson one of the things you know about me outside of the fact that i am cute yes i know that is one of my uh hypersensitive spots is building a premise off of a falsehood and then asking a question from Uh said falsehood Well, allow me to pull up an article from Baseball America, dated January 8th, 2024. Okay. A while ago, we looked at which teams have had the most success at drafting, signing, and developing hitters since the current draft bonus format was adopted in 2012. Now, we're taking a look at how teams have done at identifying, signing, and developing pitching. We're looking at the draft from 2012 to present. You like the dialect I'm using? It's Eve Plum, Jan Brady, Glass, George Glass. Do you catch that? I don't catch that particular reference, but I do enjoy the dialect. Thank you. It's the first year of the current draft rules. Until 2011, teams weren't limited in how much they could spend in the draft. Because it's a draft study that looks at cumulative stats, the study is weighted toward teams which had success in 2012 through 2017, more so than the teams who have drafted excellent in recent years. Even more so than when it comes to hitters, there are balances to be made when evaluating how well teams have evaluated, drafted, signed, and developed pitchers. Quality is probably most important, but quantity matters as well. The best team at developing pitchers per BaseballAmerica.com, dated January 8th, 2024. You're shaking your head like I walked in with a full head of hair and claimed it was natural. Uh, How could that... Who is the one? Who's one pitcher they've drafted since 2012? Who's in the starting The question is the St. Louis Baseball Cardinals LLC. What crackpot organization is doing that? What what starter do they have coming out this year that has been and developed? And I read. The Cardinals don't have the best runs allowed per nine innings, but they have the third best runs allowed per nine and the 11th best fielding independent pitching. So why? Are they clearly number one? They ask on your behalf. Please, please. Jackson Bennett Burkett. I'm open to hearing. Because they managed to be among the best in performance metrics while also being by far the best in terms of volume. With 6,998 innings, the Cardinals have drafted and signed 1,300 more innings than any other team. They have 279 more starts than any other team, and they have 94 more wins. And you want to know who these pitches are? Yeah, please, because I don't see them in the rotation. Michael Huaca. Okay, he's been gone for some time. Marco Gonzalez. That one worked out. Jack Flaherty. 
Okay, he's been on th- two different teams since. Luke Weaver. Buh, Weaves. Austin Gomber. Sick. You know him now as Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Jordan Hicks. Okay. Ryan Helsley. There's a good one. Zach Gallen. No, time and Dak Hudson. Okay. So, while I understand. That's a run that any team would be thrilled to have produced. That's a frontline starter in Gallen, multiple other reliable starters, and a start of a bullpen as well. Once you get past the Cardinals, there are a number of other teams who have had impressive draft runs and landing arms. But the Cardinals are by far and away the best. Baseball America, January 8th, 2024. Get your dog avatars ready. Get your dog avatars ready. What's the scripture quote you're using today? Get your dog avatars ready. Okay. (laughs) I have some thoughts. Well, all of that is well and good. And innings and volume is wonderful if that's what you want to look at. I personally, you bring me a volume stat. I say you can have it back. I don't. I don't volume stat. You're I, giving it back to me. I don't care about volume stats. Volume stats. No, thank you. That's why I say no, thank you. Yeah, I noticed that there was yeah. some kind of like no, thank you. Australian tribute to Margot Robbie not being uh, nominated by the Academy for her role in Barbie. I uh, listened to QFTA today for more thoughts on that. Oh, wow, a tease. Yeah, listen to QFTA for more thoughts on that. It's coming up at about 11.15, youtube.com slash TMASTL. Now, correct me if I'm incorrect, Tim, but nice. one of those pitchers are still on the ball club that you listed, Ryan Helsley? I call this moving the goalposts. The question was asking about the Cardinals developing pitching. Was it not? If it was, if I'm wrong, I'll apologize. I will. But I will. I'm big enough to do that, even though the height is small. I don't like that dialect as much. Um, it was pre-pubescent. I mean, yeah. It was well, Pietro's bussing tables era voice. Baz, Baz, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> isn't part of development also evaluation of talent? And if you're evaluating talent that is what Baseball America writes is pretty high quality when you look at the rest of the league. And if you're evaluating them, and almost all of them, and I mean almost all of them, everyone but Ryan Helsley is now on different ball clubs, wouldn't that be a part of development? Well, I understand where you're coming from. And for the purpose of full transparency, when I read this article, I too was floored. (laughs) But, uh, and also, I think an important part that probably was ignored when I read it is how it's weighted for two th- teams that were successful in 2012 to 2017. The Cardinals were absolutely one yeah, of those teams. For sure. 2018 to present day hasn't been real successful. Matter of fact, if I'm just doing this from memory, they've won, I guess you got to count something that happened in 2020. They've won four postseason games. Yeah. Three against the Braves and then one against the Padres. Yeah. Asterisk. Yeah. So, with that all said, it does weight toward there. But it's not about if, if, I mean, if you drafted somebody in 2012 and he's still on your staff in 2024, that is a major mathematical outlier. I mean, it certainly can happen. Sure. I'm sure there are some guys in the game who are, are still on their teams, but not many probably. Point being, it speaks to the development of major league pitchers. Now, when you bring into evaluating their talent going forward, the Cardinals have shipped out some players, pitchers, who have been, one of which was listed there, Zach Gallon, another which was not, Sandy Alcantara, uh, who won a Cy Young. But the overall premise of the article is the Cardinals have identified 
in the draft and then taken those pitchers and developed them into major league starters and they judge that by the number of innings that those draftees have produced. Right, which, and I understand that totally, but innings pitched is not, like that's a fine stat, but I wouldn't necessarily say like that is a marker for success. But you're taking somebody who has never pitched professionally and you're just drafting them. Right, right. And then you're getting this raw product and then you're getting them to the major leagues. Okay, yeah, and that's fair. That's very fair, and I, I'm with that. I just think a big portion of development is also evaluation of when to use them. And, the, and also the jury's still out. Like Tink Hens, McGreevy, Libertor, a bunch of these guys could turn out to be really good, and I'll eat crow, and that's cool. Like I'm totally okay with that. I hope that's the case because it really needs to be the case if they're going to have success in the future. They can't just keep signing old pitchers to one-year deals. That's not a model for success. Give me an example of three old pitchers the Cardinals have sent to short-term deals recently. Uh, okay, I can do that for you. Uh, Lance Lynn, one Kyle Gibson. Um, I guess they didn't sign Lester Happ. But those would Sunny Gray. I gave Sonny you like, I gave I gave you a one inch putt to make for the audience after yeah. the unfortunate start to the show. Yeah, yeah, no, good call, good call. Sunny Gray, but I, I think Sunny Gray is actually going to be really solid this year. But but that wasn't yeah, the sure. question. That wasn't right. the no, question. Just, uh, three older pitchers, the Cardinal. I mean, yeah. It was just like, hey, Jackson, I know you can make this shot. Go out there and tap that putt in for everybody. Right. Well, if you remember, you get the audience back on your side. Well, if you remember yesterday, I said the, you know the. The Red Sox stink, and then they played in the 2021 ALCS. So I consider short term as two years. I see. That's interesting. Yeah. You're staying true to that Red Sox ALCS debacle. Yeah. From one, or yesterday. I fell ass backwards into it. Right. Either way, they don't ask how, they ask how many. Uh, 10.48 is the time. Clarkson uh, Jewelers, the sponsor of our time checks here on Balloon Party. We'll take a break. Come back with the final segment of Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Blue Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. Final segment. It's a wide berth Wednesday, a segment that welcomes your participation, both in the YouTube chat, where uh, more than 100 friends of the feather are talking it over, and, of course, uh, the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Jackson, what do you have up your sleeve next? Oh, that's a great question right there, Tim. It's a fantastic question. This is I mean... called the delay tactic, in case some of you couldn't pick up on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? That's a more transparent delay tactic. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame seemingly lowering the bar for who gets in? Not to say that Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Heldon aren't world-class ball players, but I would be surprised if 10 years ago guys like with their resumes would get in. What are your thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame? Um... That is my sense as well, and I'm, this isn't specific to these players who went in. I mean, Beltre's no a, doubter, a, a no doubter. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure what this is about. I really don't know. I don't know. I'm sure some people have some theories, I and mean, maybe people don't agree with the premise. Kind of the thing I was talking yeah, about maybe. in the previous segment. Maybe, maybe they don't agree with the premise, but I feel like it's yeah. It, it used to be, you know, like the absolute. Like, you know, like, for example, and I don't this will be unpopular, but whatever, fine. You know, I get, as a Cardinal fan, what Yadier Molina meant to the Cardinals. And I think it, so much of it was intangible. But I cannot imagine, even if you didn't have a distaste for him, as was the case with many teams, in particular in the National League, um, which to me is a sign of a player you want on your team. No doubt. Uh, uh, Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer? What in the hell? 
he absolutely was perhaps the most valuable when you're talking about all the years he was around because Pujols was gone after 11 and the team still was in the mix in 12, 13, 14, 15, 19, I guess 20, you know, 21 and 22. I mean, holy crap. And his, you know, career starts in 04. So with that all said, for me, what my, but it's so subjective, I guess I'd go, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a Hall of Famer. A great ball player, but my idea of a Hall of Famer, like these guys who are in this otherworldly class, and sometimes you're just not going to have a year with one getting in. And I just feel like, I guess you're right, maybe over the last decade-ish, it's changed. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, it, uh, you know... Here's the thing, with, with, with specific to Joe Maurer, he played his whole career in Minnesota. God bless, great. Uh, just didn't see much of him here. I mean, he played here, but you didn't see much of him here. And the Cardinals and Twins didn't, you know, play important games. Um, and then with regard to Beltre, we saw him in 2004 with the Dodgers, and he had a great year. Weird thing about Beltre is he probably, I think probably built his Hall of Fame resume once he turned 30. Yeah, his longevity is such a huge part of why. So he was a great player in 04, but he wasn't, you know, I don't think anybody was thinking he was a Hall of Famer then. And we saw him in 2011. With the the home run from his knee in Game 6. It certainly became a footnote because of all the action that took place in the 9th, 10th, and 11th innings, but that was part of the storyline. Um and also, I think a really beloved player, yeah, and appreciated. Players loved him, man. but his stats. I mean, take, take, taking that out yeah. of out of the equation, and then the Todd Helton thing. I can't. I mean, it's not. It's absolutely not fair. It's similar to the Larry Walker conversation. It's just not fair. But I can't help but go. Well, I mean, you know, is he putting up even? I don't know. I don't even lower it. Like. 67% of those career numbers if he's playing his games damn near anywhere else. Right. Now, that's not fair to him. It wasn't fair to Larry Walker. Um, but I can't help but think through that lens. Mm-hmm. I think Nolan Arenado at this point, that'll transcend it because he spent a number of years now in St. Louis and still was top three MVP uh, in one of those years. And I'd be very surprised if he was on the beginning of his long regression. I don't think that's the case. So with that said... I mean, just Beltre, I get, and maybe Maurer, I don't know. Maybe it's because he played catcher. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, th- I think there's some players who I've been seeing go in where I'm just like, I'm a little surprised, but maybe I'm off. You know, I'm, I'm not sitting here going, I'm, I'm the expert. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was something that was reserved for, like, speaking through the lens of a Cardinal fan, if you want to go through Cardinal players, you know, the absolute clear best of the best. And by the way, anytime this topic comes up, I can't help but say it. Like the fact that Jim Edmonds was one for one ballot. Jim Edmonds will wind up in the Hall of Fame. And I think Jim Edmonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Defensively, a lot of people are much older than me say he's the greatest center field that they've ever seen play defensively. And it's not like his offensive numbers were bad. No. Um, and I think there's now a greater appreciation for defense. So I think that is going to be one of the more intriguing storylines that a guy who didn't last more than one ballot cycle winds up in the Hall of Fame. 
but it, God, if, if I could bet, I'll take any action I can get that Jim Edmonds winds up in Cooperstown. He'll be in there. Looks like Andrew Jones is going to wind up in there, and there are a lot of comparisons between Edmonds and Andrew Jones. But I just see some guys from kind of like, yeah, I mean, they were really good. Don't get me wrong, but God, I just thought the Hall of Fame for like guys, but you go, holy crap. Never seen anybody do stuff like this. So if you want to go Kawazi Smith defensively, never seen anybody do anything like that. And I don't think we've seen anybody since do anything like that. And defensively in center field, then Edmonds. And obviously, you combine Rowan's defense, the gold gloves, along with his offense. And Albert Pujols goes without saying. So that, that, that may be a bad read. I don't know what it's about. I don't, I, you know, I mean, I'll throw out a theory. Sure. Is people love now the coverage that it gets and like the reactions and right. we're going to, we're, we as media are going to bestow upon you this honor that we're the judge and jury, even though good chance we got cut from the teams, you know, when we were 15, but now we will let you in. I don't know. And then we'll get the camera reaction and the gratitude and the power that comes with it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And I know that might be unpopular. I don't really, again, I'm not really in the business of being popular. Uh, I'm in the business of being honest. And that's, I, I just don't understand it, but I, I do think through that and, and wonder why that is. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the baseball hall of fame had such a stark contrast from all the other hall of fames. Like you look from my sport, at least basketball, Every MVP in the history of the league has been in the Hall of Fame. If you win MVP, you get in. It's just how it works. That is certainly not the case with baseball. Like, you kind of, it almost was like there shouldn't have even been a question. Like, no one should even doubt that you're a Hall of Famer and then you're in. If there's any doubt, it's almost like a, like a court case. Like, if there's any reasonable doubt, well, then you're not in. And that's, and I don't believe that is the case anymore. That, I don't know what the reasoning is. But, um, yeah, with things like that, you'd have to think guys like Yadi Edmonds would also be in there, too. I, 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 I know we got to go. But it's like, it's kind of either you are or you aren't. And then you watch these guys go, and Scott Rowland was one of these guys. You go from, like, 95% saying, no, you're not, and then you become one. <laughs> How does that happen? You didn't play another game. Right, right. So I'm kind of like, I'll watch this, and I see all the baseball writers, like, you know, working themselves up in a frenzy about the announcement. I'm kind of like... I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't have, for me, it doesn't have the same impact. Got to go. BK and Ferrari are up next. For Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party. I want to ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.